appreciate y'all tuning in to another episode of Bliss is Ignorant Podcast. Um, we we switching it up this week, man. I am um, you know, enjoy I'm I'm just happy to have this guest on with me. Um through the event of all the stuff that's going on with COVID, man, this Zoom thing has just been popping. I don't think I I probably wouldn't have had her on as a guest if this wasn't possible. So um, I'm a, I'm happy to announce that I have author, editor. Uh, I don't know how many titles that you have. Hey, I got a lot. I got a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tia Smart Young uh, is on with me. Uh, and and for those that that don't know, um, I am a graduate, and she is a graduate of John C. Smith University, and we met back our freshman year. We came into the college at the same time, and I have uh, I have watched your career. Um, since like since graduation like it was like one of those things that popped up in everybody's mindset like yo you heard what Tiaya is doing you know what I mean it's like what, crazy right right <laughs> it was like you know we didn't have we didn't have like social media stuff yeah. like that but it was it was conversation through phone calls like mm-hmm. yo did you see the article did you see her name in the magazine you know stuff like that so that was like one of those things everybody could stick their chest out and be proud about so um let's let's talk a little bit about what happened after college and the sure. whole world into editing, writing, uh, authoring, uh, to, to, at some of the big name magazines, magazines was a, such a big thing, but now right. that's when magazines off. was popping, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so let's talk about the steps, like right after school. Uh, first of all, sure. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. First of all, I, when you sent me the invite for the email, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm over here patiently waiting. I'm in the cut. <laughs> I'm gonna play my position. I'm gonna wait till that invitation is extended. I was like, did and then when know, you sent it, know, I was did, like, yeah. <laughs> did you know it was coming or did you be I like, I did not know it was coming, but I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, because I know that you check in on my newsletter from time to time. Right. So I was like, yeah, he gonna, he gonna feel me. He gonna see I'm fly. He gonna see I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's why, um, that's why I was so excited to do it. So, Okay, so just, first of all, it was crazy to me when I graduated and people mm-hmm. like noticed, right, that I was working for Essence. So that was like my dream job. So we're talking about, mm-hmm. I graduated from Smith in 1995. We graduated in 95. My first job though was working for the federal government. Mm-hmm. But I always had my eye on Essence. So I was like mad thirsty as an intern. I interned there and they're like, what do you want to do when you graduate? And I didn't have any finesse to like not let them really know that that's where I wanted to be. I was like, oh, I want to be here. Y'all hiring, you got jobs, you know. I live in Brooklyn, the office is in Manhattan. I could be here in 45 minutes. Like, and they were like, pipe down. Like, no, we don't have any jobs yet. Um, But you know, they gave me the standard kind of line like, you know, keep in touch. We'll, we'll talk to you. We'll be in touch. Well, I took that. I didn't care if anybody was like really um, just giving me the, you know, nice kid routine. I really took that literally. And I would keep in touch with the editors. I kept in touch. I, I it actually, um, one of the people that I kept in touch with was a soror. And she was like a couple years um, ahead of me in the game. And that's how I ended up getting a job. She was getting promoted. She hit me up and she said, listen, I'm getting a promotion. I can tell you what you need to do to get in here and shine. But basically, you got to make it happen when you go in here. I said, say less, right? Yeah. I'm there. So I ended up getting a job and that was my first um, media job. And it was, again, this is when magazines were popping. So I was, um, of course, too, I think to some people, it looks kind of crazy. Like you left a perfectly good job in the federal government, good benefits, um, you know, stability. 
And that didn't really matter to me at the time because I was like, yeah, but this is my dream. I've been telling everybody I'm, I'm going to be a writer. I went to school for communications. I want to do this thing. And so that was my first media job and I loved it. I stayed there for five years and worked my way up. And it was just the experience of being around so many powerful, black, smart black women, women who were just doing it like to... To have social media is such a blessing, right? Because you can now you can see people's lives, you can see their their babies, they're on vacation, you can see their families, you can see what they're doing, they're traveling. Back then we didn't have that. So all we had when you were a true magazine head, you had the masthead and you followed people's bylines. So I was like, I stalked people who worked for Vibe, right? I stalked any ebony, all the magazines, the rap magazines. It was like you, I felt like I knew these people. And so to finally get to work with some of them, that was like amazing. And to be their boss too, that was, wow. that was, that was crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. So like to me, uh, that, that writing element, it's, it's, it's unique because I know how lazy people can be like, yeah. but for, for a writer to sit down and begin typing or, or to put their words down on paper is, is, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's like it, it, it's therapy, like it's like them getting their words out on, on th or thoughts out on paper. Um, similar to writing jokes, um, that's where a lot of comedians can fall off because the 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 muscle that it takes for you to write every day. Like some people, some the great comedians that you know of, they write every day, mm -hmm. and they might have books that will go from here all the way. 30 miles down the road of jokes that they never put on stage. Um, and it's like, <clears throat> I will say that that is probably my, my biggest fault is the discipline of continuously writing. Mm, I, don't, okay. I, I don't put down, like I'll have thoughts. And I, I had a thought this morning uh, already. I had a thought this morning and I kind of remember it and I didn't write it down. Like, it's like, you know, it's just, and you know, it's a good joke, but it'll come back to me and I'll put it down in my phone and then the writing process starts, you know what <laughs> I mean? So, um, but being in an environment that you, that you're working in and you have that many people around you that's doing the same thing, it makes you want to be better. It makes you want oh. to write. Same thing with comedy. It makes it's you like, competitive. Right. Same thing with comedy. So when you step on stage and you get off stage and then somebody comes up behind you and they are controlling the room better than you just did, you go, whoa. I got to write more like, yeah. you know, so it's like, you know, and it's just the, the, the balance of competitiveness, um, love to read and love to write. Like all of those things go into the same thing. So when you're doing exactly what you want to do, it just makes it that much better. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that I love about comedians is that connection, the writing mm -hmm. connection, right? So right. I write something and I, I work that much harder for you to feel my voice, for you to right. feel my point of view. And that's always been big for me. Why? When you're a comedian, you, you've written your material and now you're on stage and you're delivering it. So yes. we know what your cadence is and your voice. Yes. We know what your body looks like with your movement. We right. know what your facial expressions are, right? right. So that kind of thing, I'm jealous because I don't, I don't get to do that. So that's why, that's why I had to like get into speech writing so I can now get on stage and let them see what I look like and what yeah. I sound like, right? right? Instead of just 
um, writing something for magazines. And that's really like the, I think the, the beauty of being able to write. Um, and the thing I think about, like the way comedians study the greats, right? You study your grandfathers in this business, right? Mm -hmm. You study everybody pays homage to Richard Pryor, right? Because as you want to study the greats, you want to understand what they did. And the same concept goes with writing. Writing, yeah. You know, you look at, I think the thing is, is that even with comedy and being a, a, a writer is that we, we, we want to imitate them at first, right? Because we don't have our <laughs> own voice, right? So you're like trying, so now you're like, you, you can't be Dave Chappelle. You, right. you, know, you can't be Kevin Hart. That's who they are. But you take, you look at them and you study what they've done. And then you're like, okay, you finally find your voice. And then you know who you kind of like through the art of practicing, you got to bomb. Writers bomb, comedians bomb, right? <laughs> so you got. No, I've never heard that. Like I've never, I've never. Oh heard my god! That. Like the, the reason why you don't hear it is because it's the editor's job to make you look good, right? You guys don't right. necessarily have an editor, but your audience is your editor because your audience is gonna let you know if that joke lands or not immediately. Like, like immediately. So, so, so comedy is the only profession. I really don't know of any other profession other than maybe a, a football player uh, or, or any athlete that immediately after you perform to find out if you did a good job, yes. you can go stand out in that lobby and yes. people will come out and give you your feedback immediately. Yes. You know, there's been times when you stand out there and you know you bombed, but you have to. Comedians will make, hey man, go out there and face the music, man. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and they got a compass and they, hey, man, you was funny. Hey, man, you was hilarious, man. I like that joke you did. And yeah. you, 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 but you need that feedback. So, so, you know, with writing, uh, you say bomb. So how does a writer bomb? Like they write an article, right. they post it. And then like there, what, there's no feedback. I mean, is there, are there editing notes? Are there, are there things that come back for a person to go, yeah, I don't like this article. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So for, all right, just thinking about magazines, this is also, I'm going to, I'm going to talk pre-internet for a minute. So right. pre-internet, right. You're sending right. your article, maybe thousand word feature, 2000 words to your editor. Right. right. Your editor gives you an assignment and you have these specific notes. You're talking to these people. You're talking to these experts. You now go into your cave and you write and do your interviews and then you turn it in and your, your editor may be like, yeah, nah, you missed the mark. Like it was over here and you went left. So you have to now do a revise. But that is for us. That's part of the business. Sometimes you don't always nail it 100%. Sometimes your interpretation of what the assignment is can be different. Well, right? Let me let me interrupt that for a second. So wait a minute. So I'm, I missed the mark based off what you wanted, though, not what I interpreted as. So when the auditor says you missed the mark, I needed you here. And I'm going, all right, so you didn't tell me that's where you wanted it to go. You you left it to my interpretation. And now I missed the mark based off of your opinion. And now I'm upset because I'm an artist. I feel <laughs> like you wanted me to go a certain way and I didn't. You know, I'm thinking from a comedian standpoint, but at a writer uh -huh. standpoint at the same time. And it's kind of like, I would take offense to that because someone will tell me I don't like that joke. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember when I first started doing comedy, 
I did a uh, I did a joke about uh, watermelons. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a true story. I was at work. Somebody was having a potluck, and uh, the, the lady was coming back to my desk asking me if I was going into the potluck. And I was in a meeting, and I was like, I can't get off this meeting. I'll be over there a little bit later. She's like, they get all the food is almost gone. I was like, don't worry about it. I'll grab something. And I was like, what they have, right? Right. And the first thing she said, white lady, they are they got watermelon. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, no, I was like, no. why, 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 why did why? you say that, right? <laughs> so I'm laughing, and everything. What's the true story, right? So I was like, don't, don't, don't do that, like that. And so she, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I said, I understand, and it was innocent in itself. But the joke that I right. told was, when a white person tells me they have watermelon, I don't hear watermelon. What I hear is, do you want a piece of this Negro apple? <laughs> Which is basically what we think. Right. What about and it? I didn't say Negro. I said right. Apple, right? right? So the, the the person that was doing the class, the comedy class, said, I don't think you need to say that word. You need to change it. And I took offense to it because right. I was like, no, that's, my, that's what happened. That's the story. And I need to say it. But they were uncomfortable with the word nigga. And I get it. Mm-hmm. But I, at the graduation... During the practice, I said Negro. Right. But like, graduation. I popped nigga. Because I was like, yo, this is my joke. Right. And it killed. I right. mean, it killed. And people were like, and, the, and, and, and one of the other comedians pulled me to the side and was like, they can't teach you how to be funny, man. He said, they can only teach you what Thank not you. to do. Thank you know what I'm saying? So that's the same thing with writing for me. Yes. You know what I mean, and Absolutely. it was like, you know, and I, I look back at it now and it was like, you know, it's hacky to me. You know what I'm like, mm, I wouldn't do that joke anymore. You know what I mean? But it's kind of right. like, I was, right. I was learning. Yeah, I was right. learning through that that process. And like, you know, with jokes, you can find people being lazy when they yeah. write their material. And I, I'm of the process of, if I know your punchline before you finish your joke, it's not a good joke. Right, exactly. Like, and surprise I surprise me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You gave a perfect example of something that happens all the time in writing. An editor is going to um change your your word right or your words and so for me the reason why voice has always been so important to me is because when i write i sound a specific way my sister has told me that she has read things without looking at the byline and she's like this my sister wrote this and she'll scan up and she'll be like yep she did and so to me that's important because I always want to have that, like, you know, there's, there's when you, when you hear a Chris Rock joke, when you hear a Dave Chappelle joke, you can tell how they're lining the joke up for you. Right. right. Because there's this, this level of their storytelling and they're about to, at the end, you're about to get a bomb, right? They're about to tell you, like, you didn't even see where they were going initially with it. And right. that always happens to me, like with Dave Chappelle, like, I'm like, where's he going with this story? And so from when an editor gets your work, the thing going back to the, to the word, you know, Negro versus nigga, sometimes you need a certain word to have the effect that you're right. looking for. Right. And you, you knew that using the word nigga was going to get you the effect. Right. right. And so sometimes I've had overzealous editors try to t- change certain words and it's like, damn, you know, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same meaning. It doesn't have the same flow, but that is an editor's job, right? To make sure that this thousand word, 2000 word story you've written now fits into their format. 
because uh, every 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 um magazine has their own voice their own style right essence is more sister girl it's more aspirational it's more inspirational right vibe is a music magazine and so i probably could get away with a lot more um slang at vibe than i could in um in essence in the magazine but then just going back to two to talking about the internet and you're like do you get immediate um responses absolutely somebody will tell you they hate that shit in a minute <laughs> what you post that and they'd be like i like i didn't like that shit at all like you were terrible you were off the mark you didn't support your point like they will go in and i think that is um like the great reckoning of the internet because you can think that you're you're dope and you're in your bubble and people will either confirm or deny <laughs> how, how dope you are and at the same time you can't take any of that the praise or the criticism you can't take that you can't take that with you because it'll influence what you're doing because then you're like then you get a big head if everybody loves you and then if you feel like people don't get you then you start to doubt your own ability so you kind of you have to learn and i'm sure comedians have to do the same thing you have to quiet that noise yeah because the love can really be misleading because then you're like, well, I want to write things that make all these people love me. But is that true to who you are? And then you had said something, too, about, um, oh, no one can teach you to be funny. I always tell writers, I can't teach you to be passionate about this thing. I can help you figure out your voice, but I can't teach you to be passionate. Like, I can't teach you passion. Like, that's, you got to either come to it with a love and I want, you want to express yourself or not. A lot of the people that I work with, um, because I'm an editor for people who want to write, write and self-publish books, I, they, they work on a lot of memoirs. And so I can always tell when somebody's holding back in their story. Like one of my clients right now, she went from living in a shelter with like children, like three, I think three children when she started and she had another one um, while she was in the shelter to now she's like the vice president of like an organization for shelters, right? Wow. So her story is amazing because you know, she was a teen mom at first. And so people are ready to write you off as a teen, teen mom, right? She's mm-hmm. black, she's 17, she's pregnant. Yeah, she, her life ain't going nowhere, right? But she, in her mind, she was like, I was always going to school. Like that was going to happen regardless. And so I can't teach her to come to the story with passion. She has to already come with the passion, which she did, but she just didn't know how dope her story was. Like, I'm like, do you, under, like, you, do you understand like the significance of what you're saying to me right now? You were in a shelter system where they told you you had to be in by 10 o'clock. They told you you couldn't have no visitors and you survived that system to get you you and your family out of it. And now you're the person who has, has the compassion because you understand what it's like to be on the other side of that table and be somebody in need. I can't teach somebody, I can teach you how to tell that story, but I can't teach you how to be passionate about the way you tell it, right? right That's a right. whole different thing. Yeah, I mean, that, and, you, and you bring up another point um, as far as the voices and people finding their voice and things like that. I mean, with writing, uh, you know, finding your voice, not trying to sound like somebody else and just reading your website, like the, the, the narrative on who you are and you know, the fact that you use hip hop uh, <laughs> phrases to, to get people to understand your next paragraph. You know, it's like, it's funny because when we grew up or with the time frame we grew up, I uh, never envied the time frame. I, I felt like I grew up in a perfect time. Like, me coming up in the event, the, the, the invention of hip hop, 
uh, began 30 days after I was born. Like, like 30 days after I was born, hip hop was created. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, so this is mine. I feel like hip hop is mine mm-hmm. and mine only. And, and, and it speaks to me. Now, newer artists, I don't listen to. I feel like I have, I have enough in my catalog <laughs> to speak my life. Right. Like, like the newer artists is for my children and for their children. Right. But I feel like I encompass enough within what I, what the very first hip hop song that I heard right. all the way until, I don't know, maybe 2010, maybe. Right. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good. Somebody's like, did you hear that new? i like, mm, no. If yeah. I watched you before, I'm not buying you now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I feel you. Like, I listen to I, my, my son, he's 19. I can't uh-huh. have twin girls. Um, and they're teens, right? They're, they're 12. Okay, they're 12. So they're, they're 12. They're okay. about to be, yeah. Right. So I just feel like there's such a disconnect. Right? right, because we had a variety of yes. artists. Yeah, even when we went through, like you know, what they consider the golden age of hip hop, it's I still felt like there were you could you could have so many different artists, and now to me, everybody sounds the same. That's it's hard exactly for me. It's hard for me to be like, okay, that's the baby, and this is who. So my son was telling me about some kid. Some, I think his name is Fivio Farin. He's from Brooklyn. Yeah. And right. I passed a big poster, a big billboard of him like yesterday when I was driving. And I was like, oh, that's what my son was talking about. And I was like, now he's part of the freshman class. And to me, seeing somebody in a freshman class is a big deal because I was at Double XL yeah. when that whole freshman class started. Right. right? Now, so, what year was that? Oh, damn. Okay. Now you got me going back. Um, right, right. But I remember when they, I remember when they started doing that. This was before they started doing videos about it. Like they oh, were absolutely. Just an article on who to look for, who to check for. Yeah. But I remember that too. You know what I mean? And, and that was so competitive because it was, I remember, um, I remember Drake turning turning it down, I think. Because wow. I, I think I think he felt like he was too high at that point, right? <sighs> to be part of the freshman class. Yeah. Um, and it and it was just like again, it was this moment, right? This moment mm. in hip hop where it was like we didn't have. I don't think social media was as popping as it is now. And so to be able to be part of this freshman class was really something for your career because I'm. I got to meet Big Sean. I got to meet J Cole. I got to meet Wale, Charles Hamilton, all those dudes. It was like you know watching watching people who are now flourishing in their careers. Um, it's like I got to see them like in the early part, right? Dur- during right. the rise. And so um, that was great. And so again, going back to looking at these artists today, I just feel like I I might hear a beat that I like. I might hear a chorus same, that I like. Yeah, but it sounds the same. The same. And it's like um, I had a debate online with one of my other comedian friends and we argued what was the golden age of hip hop. Uh-huh. I, okay, so what did you, I, what did you come up with? I was on the side of 1988. Mm-hmm. He was on the side of 1993. Mm. And he's older than me. So, you know, okay. for him to choose 93, his whole argument, and this was all opinionated, right, his argument course. was totally based on the Chronic album. Like, he said that was the best album he had ever heard in his life. It was life-changing for him. It meant more to him than any other album. Right. And really? I was like, I said, that's dope because to me, 1988 was a year 
that I felt like every album spoke to me and the number of albums that came out in 1988, I still don't know how I was able to get all of them, but I had every single one that came out in 1988. And LL Cool J's album, second album, I'm Bad, or Bigger and Deffer. Bigger and Deffer. Came out in 87, but it was my lifespan. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the lifespan. But in between that, I bought Slick Rick. I bought Public Enemy. I bought... Uh, Audio 2, I bought MC Light, I bought Heavy D, I bought, I bought all those albums, that's, that's Sonic, all those albums like APMD, all those albums that came out in 1988, I was like right. boom, boom, boom. Eric B and Rocky and Payton Full came out in 88. All of that came out in 1988. Right. BDP, all of that. And I'm going, this was it. And, and no- every artist that you mentioned sounds different. Different. You Salt and Pepper, Kid and Play, all yeah. of that came out. You, like Kid and Play got criticized for being like soft, right? But it was like, I can think now, like who's the who's the who's the soft rapper? Like who's the? At least we have variety, right? We got we got. If you want consciousness, you could go to KRS One, right? If you mm-hmm. want a party anthem, you know, you know, Heavy D, he's gonna be talking to the ladies. He's gonna have something for you to dance to, something you to feel good to, something you can still play with your moms in the car. Jazzy right. Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince came out. I remember listening to NWA in 88. And my mom heard a snippet because my, no. my, 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 <laughs> my Walkman was on. And the, and the core came out. And it was like, you can hear it. speaker on the joint. And my mom said, listen, don't you ever play that mess. My mom was a minister. Don't you ever play that oh. mess out loud again. Now, my mom didn't tell me not to listen to it. Right. She just told me to respect my house. Right. But oh, I was listening to the NWA every morning. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know what I'm saying? Listen, we packed up, right, to go, but we graduated from Smith, mm-hmm. packed up. My family was with me. My grandmother was there, um, packed up the van, head back to New York. And on the, I'm, I got, the, I think I had the first ship driving back. Right. So I'm playing Tupac. Yeah. My grandmother is sitting in the back. I see her. And my grandmother, God bless her, that she, what you call it, she would ride with me on certain things, but she was just like, all right, this is a little harder than I need to have right now. Right. Little, she was like, you just graduated from college. She was like, I'm, I'm going to need you to, you know, just mellow it out just a little bit. Play a little right. something that everybody in the car, we can all listen to. And I was like, no problem. I got you. And see, my grandmother was the one who was... She would like listen to certain things and then ask me about it, which I appreciate it, right? right so, because right. a lot of times you'd have your parents or grandparents immediately like dismiss the music. Oh yeah, they 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 would hear the curses or they would be like, you know, it's it's too much. Why can't they rap about positivity? And it's like, okay, you're not getting what's happening right now. And so, to have my grandmother make that request, it wasn't um it wasn't a big deal for me because she'd be the same person to be like, did you hear the new Wu Tang such and such and such? And I'm like, Grandma, how you know about Wu Tang? Yeah, yeah, like, like yeah, what, my, you, what you know about Wu? <laughs> I remember, I remember, I remember driving to graduation and listening to Who Shot You over and over and over. Listen, like the day of graduation. Who shot you? I was listening to it over and over again. I remember playing Tin Crack Commandments for my mom in Uh-oh. the kitchen. Um, and I remember her doing word for word. And she was like listening to it, going, Hey, he's breaking everything down, ain't he? Like, you know, like my mom, like literally. And I was like, Yeah. So she, you know, she understood like how important hip hop was for me. You know what I mean? And 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 why why I listened to it as much as I did. Now, my kids, I will say that um they've been sheltered. Like I, I really haven't been able to give them 
Uh, and part of it is they mom too. Like, you know, we don't, we don't expose them to all of that, you know, all right. the time. I'll play some stuff, but like the language and stuff, like I'm still turning stuff down. Like, mm, yeah. You know, like, uh, oh, no. Like, yeah. Cause so you just like, want to at least have them be a kid as long as they can be. But you know, it's funny, man. Cause I didn't have that. Like my, like my, like I was exposed to everything. Like my right. mom was like, oh boy, get out of my face. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh. right. You so had to go entertain yourself. Right. Go ahead and get out of my face. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's, and, that, and that, let's, let's shift this a little bit. Cause I got okay. so much to kind of bring up with you okay. Uh, because I, like I say, I, I follow the stuff that you're doing and, and, and things like that. Like, so your books, like, and, yes. and, and we probably fast forward and way past some other stuff. That's okay. We'll go back to it. You, you, you self-published yes. two books. Yes. Um, the first book is, is famous. Yes. Right. The famous, how to be a star of your show, a, a teen's guide to embracing her fabulous self. A teen girl's guide. Cause it's for the girls. Cause my teen, son was a little teen girl's guy. Like, teen girl's guy. Right. My son was like, how you gonna write a book for girls? And you got a boy. And I was like, well, yeah. But you, but you grew up a girl. So that's different. <laughs> and, and you know that it, their life is way more complicated than a little boy. Like I, this just, it's just what it is. I, and I also speak. I also speak at schools, right? And so I do a lot of stuff with girls' schools. So I'm, I get the questions from the girls. The guys right. don't come and ask me questions. Actually, the only questions the guys ask is when they find out that I used to work in a hip hop magazine. They want to know if I can listen to their music. Like, right, 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 right. Listen, dude, I can't get my mixtape. Right, I can't get to a deal. Right, I can listen to your beats. That's about it. Right. So, so the uh, and I will tell you, my my daughter will be gifted this when they turn 13 like this that's, will be, that's cool this will I would be love gifts to sign for it for both, them. both of my uh my twins when they turn 13 we are dealing with some stuff now but you know it's like uh um, you know and it's it's funny because uh we were <laughs> i was over there to, um a couple days ago or uh, last week and my daughter one of my daughters is always trying to get me to laugh like she thinks mm -hmm. it's a challenge to make me laugh of course. And I keep telling her all the time, like, I laugh at organic things, mama. Like, I don't laugh at you trying to be goofy. Right. Being in my face, making faces and weird noises and getting closer to me. Like, that doesn't make me laugh. That makes right. mommy laugh, but that don't make me laugh. Right. I'm never going to laugh at that. I don't laugh at buffoonery. I laugh at smart, thought-out processes that have organic conversation. Exactly. So my, my other daughter kind of got it. But my, uh, my other daughter, who acts just like me, she just on 10 all the time like so she in my face like, and i'm like mama i'm not gonna laugh. like that you're like that ain't it right so my other daughter goes all right so i'm gonna imitate you and i was like oh Jesus. oh man it's gonna be stupid right so um she only got one sentence out and i started busting out laughing so she wow because she nailed you well she didn't nail me i was i had i had questions okay so she goes she goes um, my name, my name is Joe. I said, first of all, why do I sound like Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> Second of all, why your teeth? Maybe like that's the way you that? sound to her. Why, well, why your teeth like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, why do I gotta be like a buffoon? You know what I'm saying? So she tried to get her voice like deep, right? So she's like, my name is uh, Joseph Chambers, and I'm from Jersey, and I drink water. And I was like, okay. So I start busting out laughing, right? And I'm like, okay. So my accent is not that strong. And second of all, you know, <laughs> like my voice is not that deep. But that it was so funny. That is her interpretation. Right. That's how they see me. You know what right. I mean? Absolutely. And Absolutely. it was it was more and and the way she kept imitating me was me giving her advice. Mm -hmm. Like me 
sitting her down and constantly the same thing over and over again and me saying to her i'm not gonna keep telling you this or i'm gonna only tell you this one time right she's saying the same thing and i go yeah it's re- it's repetition right if i keep telling you this you eventually gonna get it you know what i mean like, listen <laughs> we didn't know that's what our parents were doing right, right, right but right, now right. we're sitting on the other side of the table you're like oh that's why she kept saying that because she wanted it to and somehow it gets into your subconscious because you turn into your parents at a certain point. You're like, absolutely, absolutely. Said to me, like the the fact that I, as I get older, I start to look more and more like exactly like my mother. I'm just a chocolate version. My mother's a little bit lighter. Yeah. And to hear the her words coming out of my mouth, I'm like, I, damn, I really am old, huh? Yeah, because right. I just, I don't know. You just you just become your parents at some so some so, at some so, point. But yes, so self-publishing, yeah. So self-publishing yeah. the book. That's one. That was uh-huh. great. Then you had a second book, Love You Mean It. Love You Mean It. Yeah, it's a journal. Uh, it's a journal. Okay. And and so this is a, a, a parallel here. Okay. That was 2015. Mm-hmm. I recorded and released my own album. Hey, that's what's up. 2019. And it was all because. You can't wait for somebody to recognize your no. your good. You can't Not wait for somebody all. to come to you and go, hey, we got a record deal for you. Or we want to release, we want you to do an album for us. We want you to do a comedy special. And and actually the reason why I self-published was because I had had um it was like two there were two situations that the book deal didn't happen. So there was one book that I was oddly enough, I was researching about watermelon um and our connection <laughs> and our right, connection right. to watermelon right. and how right. you know, some people are so repulsed by the idea of even eating watermelon in front of a mixed crowd. Oh, I love it. Um <laughs> so that 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 book deal didn't happen because if I remember correctly, they didn't want me. I was, I had gotten a job. So this was also the time when um, the whole dot-com thing started to pop and everybody was moving over to dot-coms. It was startups and they didn't want me to leave Essence at the time because they felt like me being at Essence was, you know, it's about having a platform and, and, and an audience. And so there's um, a cachet to be able to say, oh, she's the editor of Latina magazine. Oh, she's the editor of Vibe or something like that. And so they didn't want me to leave and it was already a done deal. I was, I was, it was time to, to go to the next level. Everybody thinks like, Oh, well, you know, why would you ever leave essence? It's like, why do you leave middle school? It's time to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. time to graduate. Why do you yeah. leave high school? Because you've done your four years and you need to move on and you need to do something else and grow in a different way. And so, um, the second deal that fell through was my friend and I, we were, um, we were co-writing a book for shy girls. And so I had grown up really shy. And so there was a, a, a moment that I was like pushed out of my, pushed out of my shell or my comfort zone, so to speak. And I had to do, um, give a speech at graduation in the sixth grade. And so that was kind of like the change for me, right? That started. And so we were going to write this book for teen girls about being shy. Again, my agent couldn't shop the book. It was like, nobody was, was buying it. So I was like, damn, you know, I just felt kind of defeated at that point. But again, going back to what you said in terms of producing your own material, you can't wait for somebody to to find out that, oh, you got this great idea over here. And I think that's the beauty of the time that we live in now is that you can produce said thing. And so I was like, the only thing that I don't know how to do is I don't know how to market this book, which I really wish I had taken like marketing classes when I was at Smith. And even um, I left grad school early, but 
even in grad school, there was I didn't take anything that was like focused on marketing, and I and I and I feel like that was like a, a blind spot for me. So I took this course um, that taught me how to market my book. It was specifically for people who wanted to self-publish, and I was like, I could do this. I've been in this editing game, writing game for a long time. I know how to hire a, um, a book cover designer. I know how to hire a, a, a photographer to take my picture for this book cover. I know how to put all of this together. And what happened was. People then asked me, how did you do that? Because right. your book doesn't look self-published, right? And so I'm like, that's, that was the whole point. Like, I wanted to be able to, to show that I could do it and to make it look like it belongs on the shelf next to and, and anything else. Because a lot of times what happens with self-published stuff is that people do it and it's like, oh, you can tell this is a self-published book. And I never wanted that to happen. And so that's what I help other people do. I help them get it so that their product looks great yeah i mean it's crazy like literally my my album cover i did on my phone like <laughs> like, like like i literally i literally you to use picture. what you got <laughs> I, I cropped my picture i used the font that was on the phone like i was doing all this other stuff through this other app or whatever and then i was like right. all right, that's, that's a decent picture i sent it to my cousin my cousin was like yo that's dope i was like all right that's that's the album cover <laughs> like, like literally, like literally, like. So you didn't go through any changes, like. No oh, edits. No, no, nobody, nobody looked at it. And go, hey man, it's a little off centered. Like nobody, nobody checked anything. Everybody's like, oh, that's dope, and it's just out there. It's just out there floating. You know, it's just and it's it's weird because I had a comedian come to me and I kept saying, man, I want to do an album. He's like, man, do it. He's right. like, record it, just do it. He's like, put it out there. He said, the thing about it is, is man, when, when a time comes where someone says this dude is funny, somebody is going to go look and find that. Yeah. He's like, and it's just going to blow up, even though you did it five, six, 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, you have to have a digital or a presence or something that's out there mm -hmm. floating for somebody to come find. Yeah. Somebody come up to me and say, Hey, do you, have you ever heard of this Arthur, uh, T.I. is smart, young, and I'm like, yeah, I went to college with her. You know what I mean? And like, oh, for real? Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like that whole thing. And it's like, you know, when, like, when you wrote the book about the teen girl's guide, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and you raising a son, like, that's a different thing, too. It's like, you know, I, I feel like it was, it was an area that needed to be spoken to. And there are parents that don't know how to deal yeah. with their teen daughter. And it's a tool that can be utilized or something that can be said, oh, you know, there's some, okay, this is what I was trying to tell you, you know, or like, you know, I was trying to use these words. I couldn't get I have it. had grown women tell me that the book has helped them. So one of the things that I love about self-publishing, right, is that you can constantly market your own material. You can constantly sell your own books. Whereas when you tra publish traditionally, which is great, you get a, you know, your, you get an advance, but you got to sell those books against that advance. When you, when you self-publish, you put out all the money yourself and then you work to get that money back. And that's all of your marketing. Right. So for me, the, the, the thing that I learned in that course was you got to have an untraditional approach to marketing. So I focus specifically on selling to schools, youth groups, and like book clubs, right? And so now I'm selling bulks of books versus a one-off here on Amazon two over here for, you know, your grandma, your auntie. It's like, no, I'm selling 25 books, 30 books at a time. And matter of fact, last week, Friday, I went to a book club. They, they, they used my book and we did a, a, a cool thing where I sent them videos every week 
right? Of, of what I was thinking when I was writing the different chapters. That's and so, it, so it was a chance for them to get to know me through the videos. And then um, like midway through, we did a Facebook live. Right. So they asked. So the girls asked me questions based on where they were in the book at that time. We did that Facebook live. And then last week, Friday, we did uh, um, we went we met in the park and they had me like read a little bit from the book. And then I we, we did like a Q&A. And so all of this is that book was I wrote that book five years ago. Five years ago. Right. Yeah. And I'm still selling copies of that book. And so that to me is like the beauty of being able to self-publish because I'm still, and when I get my money, I'm getting a full $16 on the book. When you sell through Amazon, right, you're now getting half because they've done the work for you. Yeah. They, they printed the book, they're sending it out. You don't have to do all that. But the beauty of having connection to your readers is that, and the same thing when, when you have connection to your audience, right? When people follow you on social media, when you have an email list, now you can let people know, oh, Oh, Justin's going to be in North Carolina. Oh, he's going to be in Jersey. Oh, he's going to be in Idaho. Right now you, you, you connect with your, your audience the same way for me. When I now have an email list of those teens or those moms, I can constantly let them know other things that I'm doing. Right. right. And so that's, that's the beauty of like, I think our business in terms of being, you gotta, <laughs> I, I know sometimes you probably feel like you're the one person doing everything, right? Yeah. Letting up the shows, <laughs> you know, maybe sometimes negotiating the contracts and all that kind of stuff. And it is exhausting because it's not just, people think that it's just the creative part. It's not. Yeah. It's the business part that's behind it too. That mm -hmm. is, you know, that's like that. I probably didn't see that coming. But that's a really important part of what I do as well. Yeah. So, so the book comes out. You know uh -huh. what I mean. You you can't believe your book is out. You know can't what I mean? Because it's it. it's a it's a it's a different feeling. Yeah. You know, you got your friends that automatically support you, or maybe like, oh, I'm yes. buying that. Yo, I'm getting <laughs> yes. copy of that. You know what I mean? And, and you know, then after a while, it's kind of like, man, it's out there. Like my album came out. I was like, okay, it was immediate influx of people buying. Like it was all friends and family and stuff like that. And then, you know, it's the promotion part. Like I did a, I had an artist do a uh, cartoon rendition of one of the jokes. Mm -hmm. And then I pulled that out on social media and it had like commercial at or whatever. Hey, buy this album on iTunes right. or on whatever platform, right. whatever you buy albums on. And then people were like buying it from that. Then obviously I do my shows. Right. And you can mention that you have an right. album out on iTunes. Go check it. You know what I mean? Stuff Listen. like that. Yes. So like all of it. The commercial all the time. Yes. Um, and it's like when I looked at it, what it was like when I when I go back and listen to the album, like if I'm driving or whatever, and it comes on mm -hmm. like through like uh, like Spotify or something or through a rotation of comedy. Uh -huh. One of the jokes and I go, oh, I don't like that joke. Like, you know, it's like, it's like you, you are so critical of but, yourself, right? But, <laughs> but you had to do that album, right? Because I always tell people like, they're like, oh, I'm so scared. Like, what if people don't like it? Or my talent is not there. Like, listen, you got to get that crappy first version out right. to be able to get like, you know, Chris Rock wasn't Chris Rock. The Chris Rocky is now. He had to go and write some shit <laughs> and bomb right. for him to find his voice, for him to find his niche, for him to find his lane. And I think that's what we have to do as writers, comedians, coaches. Like, we got to find our lane. And you can't do that without writing some shit first. It's not right. going to all be good when you first, you know, when you first get it out. Like, and that, yeah, and that's, it's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's really just, it's really just being self-critical. I mean, oh, we're all our biggest critics 
on anything that we do. And that's a, probably a lot of times why I don't do the internet content. Like I don't do the skits and I don't do mm-hmm. the, because I, I, I'm the first person to say that's corny. Like, oh, that's corny. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, you know, and I feel like every joke that I do should hit. Right. You know, I just feel like if you not, if I'm, if I'm on stage and I'm trying out a brand new bit and the crowd ain't feeling it, I'll be like, man, I wrote that bad. But mm-hmm. then the, the rule of thumb with writing jokes is you have to do it three times on stage. You mm-hmm. have to do it three times on stage first. And if it don't work all three times, go back and either scrap it or rewrite the whole thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm stubborn. Like, I, if I know something is funny, I, I won't let it go. Right. I remember doing a joke. The very first time I did this joke was like early on in my career. It was a joke about French fries at the bottom of the bag. Mm-hmm. It would not work. With for nothing with nothing 10 years later i brought the joke back out and now it works yeah i just did it different i learned i learned how to control the audience i learned how to let them interpret things and not over explain mm. um and then i can't add a story behind it and to this day one of the bookers that books probably books me more than probably any other booker told me one day in his office, he goes, dude, that joke, like, like, that's probably one of the most genius jokes I ever heard in my life. Like, I can't go to a fast food restaurant without, without thinking and thinking Jay Bliss. Right. And I was like, wow, you know, and it's the analogy that I use and the specifics that go on to the very end of the joke. And then people are like, dude, I've never thought of that. Like, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, that whole process. Like, when I think Jay Bliss and writing jokes, it's not just the joke. Sometimes it's the message behind the joke. Absolutely. Somebody looks at it and goes, damn, like I never thought of that. I go, yeah, like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta think of it in, in three different ways. And the same thing with, with, uh, with authoring and writing when you, you have, you have a chapter that you feel is your best work. Mm Mm-hmm. And then someone will come to you and go, that's the one that, that didn't speak to me. Yes, this that chapter hurt. that spoke to me. You know what I mean? It's that like, hurt. You're like, you're like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah, like. <laughs> no, absolutely. That, that, like, I, I can look at the book now, famous mm-hmm. now, and I know which chapter immediately is my least favorite chapter. And I know which one is my favorite. Right. And the, my favorite chapter is chapter five because it constantly comes up in everything that I do in terms of talking to young people about the people, the five people that they need to have in their lives, right? Because right. I say, I believe you need this squad. People right. call it personal board of directors. I'm talking to teens. I'm like, you need your squad. You need your crew. And on that crew, if you're thinking about being a comedian or you're thinking about being a filmmaker, a photographer, a writer, whatever industry, you got to have somebody in there who can at least, if they can't role model it for you, because one of your people on your on your squad should kind of be your role model. If, they, if they're not doing it or if they're not aspiring to do it, at least have somebody on your crew who's the mixy person who can introduce you, right? Who got the connection? Because I'm always telling teams like, what, okay, what does your mom do? What does your father do? Okay, who are their friends, right? Because you're like, wait, if your mother's sorority sister or she, your dad is a mason and his mason brother does such and such, he owns, he owns a planet fitness in your neighborhood and you want to go into business, you need to be talking to your dad's friends. Right. right? And that's the kind of connections I have to like help teams to make in terms of realizing who needs to be on their squad. Wait, your older cousin is in college and is a junior and you want to go to HBCUs? 
You ain't talking to your cousin about HBCUs? What right. you doing? What you right. doing? You, you have a built-in person who is there to give you the experience. I feel right. like I feel like I took it for granted that I had been bringing my son to, to Smith Homecoming since he was nine, right? I didn't realize I'm planting a seed. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm just bringing him to, with me to homecoming. <laughs> he can see what my college experience was like and why I have so much love for the school that I went to. Right. I wasn't thinking that that was going to be his like focus when he started to apply to school. Like, nah, I really want to go to an HBCU. You That's know? dope. That's dope because I remember taking my daughters to um, homecoming at a very young age. My daughters were like third grade and um, they were in school and they were asking the kids around class, like where, where they want to go to school. And my daughter, you know, my daughter Jada, she's a straight A student. Like she, you mm-hmm. know, she's very smart. Like, Right. Beyond smart. And I'm going like, Ju- they're not saying Julie's not, but Jada is like. She's the know, one that's focused on the book. <laughs> she everything. Like she reads constantly. Like she right. always has a book. Like she asked for books for Christmas. And when she, we gave her books for Christmas by New Year, she had finished one already. I'm like, Jay, Jada, come on now. Like slow down. Like, you got three <laughs> books. You almost done the first one already. You know what I mean? That's and, how I was. Yeah. She constantly has a book in her hand. Like, so she all her friends in gt they were saying stuff like yale and uh, you know harvard right. and stuff like that and jada was like johnson c smith wow and one of the little kids laughed at her like one of the little kids laughed at her and she's like why are you laughing why is that funny to you and then her right. girlfriends were like you know laughing at her and they were like why, why would you say johnson c smith she's like my dad went to johnson c smith right and she was like and i've been in their homecomings and i like the school right and um i explained to jada like you know that's them not believing you know, that that school is, is prestigious. Right. And I was like, but Jada, do you do know, you do realize when you go to college that they don't have air, air bouncy houses and, and slides and stuff like that on campus? And she's like, they don't? I was like, nah, like that's not a part of the school. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's part of homecoming. And she's like, oh, you know, but I was like, I realized, you know, that's a third grade's mind. Right. That's her of course. Mind. Of course. So, you know, but as, it's about the seed that was planted. As we get older, as we go through the thing, like their, right. their mother went to a D1 school, PWI. I went to right, a right. And, you know, our mom, they joke, we joke back and forth at each other's school and stuff like right. that. But then they always go, well, daddy, isn't, isn't it a prestigious school? I guess it's a prestigious school to me. Mm-hmm. I think because it was important to me, but in other people's eyes, it's not. And right. then I said, till they go, well, was mommy's school better than yours? I go, absolutely what? It wasn't. Right. And, then so they, and then so they go, well, well the, why does mommy make it seem like it is? I go, <laughs> I'll put it like this. Me and mommy met at work. <laughs> and you're like we were doing the degree, same job yeah exactly. we were doing the same job my degree, yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. and my degree got us to the same place at the same goddamn time I, yeah, right. I, said, I said and i was hired before her so we don't i guess does it like like you know like you know so they just like they were like oh okay i get other so it don't I really know that's matter. right yeah, people, so. have, people have asked me that question too and i'm like do i work with people who have IMDb degrees we got to the same place. Same place. Same right? place. It and, is and, about how you use what you've learned. Right. Like, right. come on. Right. It's it's all about so you gotta do the work eventually. Exactly. You know, and it's like um and 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 so I and I will ask you this, and as you were working through the magazines like the Essence and the Vibes and Double XL, you did have opportunity to interview or meet some of your oh, idols. Man. 
it has been the best. Yeah. So okay, so what interview was it that made you go, "Oh my god!" Like, what was? Which one was it? Like, <laughs> so well, you know what? That is so hard to say because I think that I have like had some like dope moments. Like, I always tell the story about like I've interviewed Mary J. Blige twice. So once oh. on the phone, and I love Mary. Right. So 1991. 1992, 1992 is when um, What's the One came out, right? And so yes. that was, we played the hell out of that at Smith, right? Yeah. Like that, you can go in, I think Midnight Marauders and What's the One, you could walk anywhere on campus and hear that, right? right? Okay, so I interviewed Mary, the second time I interviewed Mary, um, I was supposed to be here in New York, it was for a cover story, and that's another thing about being competitive, people compete for cover stories, they want to be the person who, you know, has the story that's on the front of the magazine. So I'm interviewing Mary and her people are like, they like, I'm playing tag, can't get her. All right. They call me up. Oh, Mary's going to be in Miami on Sunday. Can you come? Um, it's actually her day off, but we're going to make, we're going to make time for you. And I'm like, okay, let me get this approved first. So I, my editor approves it. I swear to you, I spent more time prepping to get to Mary, like going to the airport, flying there, flying back than I actually spent with her. So I, I got to spend like an hour and a half with her. Cool. And it was supposed to be lunch in a, in a restaurant at the hotel. When I get there, they're like, oh yeah, Mary's at a cabana at the pool. So you need to just come on <laughs> to the cabana. And so that was such a dope experience for me because um, she was in such a relaxed environment. Right. So we got to have such a really honest conversation. I felt, and I felt like it was um, a lot of times people give you canned answers and I felt like her answers were authentic. We got to talk a little bit about relationships at that time. She was going through um, the divorce proceedings with her husband. She had just gotten um, like this role in Mudbound on Netflix and it was a chance to see Mary in a different situation. And so she talked about being vulnerable and stripping down and needed she couldn't have any lashes she couldn't have any nails she couldn't have no weave and she's like listen y'all haven't seen mary's natural hair since you know <laughs> she's like i don't think y'all ever seen mary's natural hair yeah probably um, that was a 411 when she was exactly, gonna tell us something yeah exactly and so she just we just had such a great experience but um i mean i interviewed michelle obama i've interviewed taraji p henson uh, there's so many people that I have like forgotten. Like I'll flip through things and I'm like, oh yeah, because I was just watching. Um, so you, I think you'll like it too. Do you watch Woke on Hulu? I just saw it. I didn't. I didn't watch it yet, but I did see it pop up on my thing, so I gotta okay. watch that. Yeah. I think you. I think you'll like it. I was. I was checking it out, and I interviewed um Le, Lamar. His name is Lamar Morris. Yeah I, yeah. I interviewed him, and I was like, I forgot I interviewed him when he was like in barbershop, and so now it makes me want to go back to some of my audio. And like, see if there's snippets that I can post, you know, because there's things that people have told me that it's crazy because like fast forward five years, it, it was manifest, right? right? So I remember people telling me like, oh, if there's ever, if somebody ever does the Aaliyah story, right? I want to play Aaliyah, right? Or um, I remember uh, Megan Good telling me she was, I think she, I think the line she used was like, she was a freak for Jesus or something like that. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so certain things stick in your head. You just do not forget them, right? Um, and then fast forward, she's now married to, um, Dad, what's his name? Uh, the, the the minister. He's like, yeah. a, he's a heavyweight producer in Hollywood. Right. Right. And they wrote the book called The Weight. And so all those things kind of just kind of like connect and click. Yeah. And um, interviewing Tony Braxton, um, and interviewing Tamar Braxton and really calling it early that I remember when going, sitting in the screening for Family Values before it came out. And I was like, Tamar is about to be a star. I was like, she's, 
She's the one that you, you can kind of tell who's going to have the, who's going to have the attention of the people. And right. I immediately called it. I remember um, I interviewed Brandy like a, like a bunch of times. And like, those are things that you end up having connections um, with people. Cause they, if you, if you do a really good interview, sometimes they remember. Yeah. I interviewed Lala, the, my second time interviewing Lala. First time was for a cover story. Just recently I did it something for Essence. And when we, we did a Zoom and I had told her people before we got on, I was like, remind Lala that I interviewed her a couple of years ago for a cover story. So when we got on, she was like, of course I remember you. We had breakfast that morning and we talked about, um, this was like when the whole thing was happening with Mello and the, yeah. uh, the alleged side baby and all this kind of stuff. And so we got to talk about so many different things. And it was like, to be able sometimes to have people um, of course, they're going to have their guard up because it's their personal lives. And we feel Absolutely. like we feel entitled sometimes, mm-hmm. right? We follow somebody on social media. Why are they not telling us what's going on? That ain't your business. So, <laughs> right? Do I, does everybody know what's going on with you behind closed doors? No, it's just because they're a celebrity. You feel entitled to know what's going on. And so to have her, again, put her guard down a little bit and just, okay, that's my house phone. Hold All on. Right. Let me All let right. me kill that house phone. Hold All on. Right. <laughs> Alright. And my house phone only rings when what you call it, when somebody's downstairs. And so I know this is the what you call it. I know this is the wrong uh <laughs> they yeah. don't got, they don't got the right apartment. Okay. Um to have her let her guard down and talk about her kid and what it's like for people to be following her and want to get a quote about what she's gonna do. Are you gonna leave Mellow? And you know, people on social media, are you gonna leave? You should leave it. It's like Get out that woman's business. Woman, yeah, and it's it's funny. Like social media does make us feel like we're entitled to know everything. Like it when does. the whole, whole Will Smith thing happened and the entanglement and all the other stuff, and you know, it was kind of crazy because it's like you know, y'all got all these opinions about Will and Jada and what he's supposed to do. I'm like, y'all don't even y'all can't even tell me what's going on in y'all no. situation. And Have it's y'all been in entanglement all your life and ain't even know <laughs> until last week. Oh shit, fucked up. Yeah, no. <laughs> that is that is so that is so true and i'm I'm just laughing because i'm like you know if somebody came and asked me hey what happened with your divorce like i you know if somebody somebody asked me at my interview i'd be like okay i might actually go into it but then it's kind of like is that fair to her you know for me to be able to tell my side and her not be able to tell her side you know what i mean it's like all of those things that have to happen and you know i'm like dude and if i put that out there dude like that's that's digitally out there like my kids exactly. might hear that in ten years from now. You know what I mean? Like, and, and how they don't, often they don't even know the story? You know what right. I mean? And Dave Chappelle said it that you could tweet something right from ten years ago, and they come back and they use it against you. And so half the time, it does make me like really cautious about certain things that I share about my personal life mm-hmm. because people then have something to say about it. And you just said Jada. Um, you made me remember I interviewed Jada Pinkett Smith. I interviewed Chris Rock. Right, so those are things that just I had forgotten until you yeah. said it just now. I was like, "Oh yeah, I interviewed Jada too. Interviewed Nia Long, right? Interviewed Lorenz Tate. Forgotten all these things." So yeah, and I enjoy I enjoy the interview process. Like this process in itself, I enjoy it. You know, I've had I've had comedians that's been on my podcast that I, I don't have a relationship with, but th- out of the strength of them seeing me interview right. one of our compadres, they go, "This dude must be a cool dude to talk to." So let me jump on his podcast. And the thing about it is, is most people will tell me your podcast ain't like everybody else's, man. Like it, it's it's a different vibe. Like you don't ask the same questions everybody else asks me all the time. 
because right. it's like one of those things. And I do like to have a switch up, things like this that we're talking because I wanted to talk about the parallel between writing. Yeah, and comedy. And living in comedy and how, and how that works. And your newsletters are great. And I really wish, like the people that are listening to this, I, I, I hope that they are able to come follow you and, and watch, like even your snippets that you put on um, your Instagram. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like insightful. You know, you had an interview on there when you were talking to a, a, a young lady and she was talking about why she was, it disagreed uh, with giving little girls baby dolls. Yes, that was for Indie Authors Live. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it, was, it was the perspective I never thought of before. Me? My daughters had baby dolls and things like that. But I do specifically remember watching her tell the, baby, tell the little baby to sit down and be still and yelling at it. Yeah. Right. I'm like, right. wow, like, like, why are you so angry with this little baby? But I'm like, yo, she's emulating us or emulating her mother or myself, yeah. telling her to be still and be quiet. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it's so, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, but, you know, as I look at it, you know, going through life or going through this time frame and how I'm bringing up my daughters, they, 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 their upbringing wasn't the same. Like, it's not the same. Yeah. Like, they're way more spoiled. Um, and it oh. exposed the exposed the way more than I was at twelve yes. years old. Yes, you know I was I mean? talking about that this morning with my husband. Like we were saying, like our son doesn't realize how good he has it, right? Yeah. In his mind, he I know it's not an ideal situation. He goes to Virginia State, but he's here doing his remote semester. So of course, after you you know how it is when you get that taste of college life, you don't want to be sitting around looking at your parents. Nah, not at all. Right? You want to be back in the dorm, back with your people, but that's not an option. And so he's not understanding in my mind in terms of you got a sweet deal here. Like no one's pressuring you to work, but I get it. You want to work because you want to have your own money. You don't want to ask us for nothing, right? Right. Because I'm not buying you Dior sneakers. Like that ain't. That's not the. That's not the vibe over here. That's not right. what I'm doing. Right. We're cutting tuition checks. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, if you want to buy, I'm gonna tell him how I feel about it. But if you're gonna go ahead and spend that money on those sneakers, like you gotta find it. I always tell him you gotta finance your own fancy. Because I'm not doing that. Finance your own fancy. Finance your life. own fancy. Right? You want to be fancy? You got to find. You got to pay for that shit. I'm not That's doing That's so that. funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, my, my, my kids, they're not labely. Like, they're, my kids aren't in the labels. Um, and that, it might have something to do with the fact that they, didn't, they, they don't go to school with a whole bunch of black kids. Like, they, like they're, they're, they're labeled. The labels don't mean much to them. Like, they, right. They'll find something. They like, I like these or whatever. I think the most expensive thing one of my daughters asked for that I thought was crazy was some Birkenstocks. And I'm like, and I'm asking, asking her mom, like, what the hell is that? She's like, she part of this group. It's some, it's some name. That's some name I used to know, but I don't know what it. Some kind right. of girl. It's some girl. Some fashion thing. And I'm Listen, like, I'm, I'm like, I feel like my son wasn't. I felt like he wasn't into the name until he left for school. Like I feel like. That first semester, he came back for Christmas break. I was like, wait, what? It's influence. Yeah, it's influence. Yeah, because his roommate, I noticed when his roommate moved in, his roommate had the MCM book bag. He had the Gucci slides. He just had all these different things. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, you you being unduly influenced. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's crazy. And so so if, I, if we go back a little bit in time to uh, Justice C. Smith and when uh-huh. we got there and things like that, and it was crazy because me you and i both came from up north 
Right. We went to a down south. And this might be, I might have to bring you on the HBCU stories as well. But Guys, I'm, I want in. I want yeah, in. <laughs> yeah, so we were coming from up north, going to down south, we felt like we were the influencers. Yes, absolutely. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. Like, I was, I was from Jersey. I had an accent. I was light-skinned. Like, you couldn't, they ain't nothing these, these country I- damn- Going to tell me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it was even crazier when I got down there and I'm meeting people from New York. I didn't hang around a lot of people from New York, but I was from South Jersey, so I hung around a lot of people in Philly and stuff like right. that. But even looking at them and y'all, like how y'all vibe versus how I vibe, but I was still like, I'm, I'm in my own lane. Like, you know, you ain't gonna influence me. I do what right. I do. I rock what I rock and things right. like that. And I, my swag is my swag. And people were like, yo, you don't have these? I'm like, I don't wear them. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> you know, exactly. like, like, and when like, you're in your own kind of bubble, it's like it doesn't, like, you're not worried about what the other person is doing. I never right? thought, yeah, because like a, a cat from Virginia might wear the Reebok classes with the bubblegum sole. And that was the sneakers that they rocked all the time. And I'm like, nah, right. I'm good with my Feli boots. And I'm good right. with my, you know, I'm good with this. I'm good with my Tims and, and right. things like that. And I'm a rocket like that. And then people would be like, yo, but this is fly. And I'm like, that's fly for you. Like, right. I don't, you know, I, no. I, didn't even, I didn't even wear slides. I didn't even think slides was cool. I'm like, I'm not wearing that. I know. Slides <laughs> and socks, right? Slides and socks. And it's like, now that's the thing. Yeah, that right. That is the thing. I look at my son all the time. I'm like, where are you going in these slides and these socks? And that is the style. That is the trend. When I got to Johnson C. Smith, I felt a little bit out of place in terms of matching up to the other girls because I felt like being from New York, I was like bubble goose, Tim's, right? I baggy jeans. I was definitely on my tomboy shit. Like I didn't, I didn't look like the girls from DC but, with, yeah, the, yeah. with the hair and the, and the red lipstick and, and the something sil- And something silver. Exactly. Yeah, so, so, so like the thing, the thing to me, I remember, I remember specifically like you, Idea, Dawn, like Oh yeah, we were definitely Brooklyn. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny to me, uh, Renee, Tanya, like I remember how cool y'all were but i would also explain to people from down south like they would be like man yo they just they they seem like they tougher than us <laughs> and i go nah you i say you you it is i say listen them they are females man they they the same females that you right. like they like compliments they love exactly. they love lovey dovey things but you got to realize the environment that they coming from right. is very abrasive. Yes. So you can't be, you couldn't be soft. Yeah, they seem they seem abrasive, but they're not. They're very right. sensitive. I said, I'll walk up to one of them right now and be like, you are so beautiful. And they are gonna appreciate that exactly. more than the chick that's all dolled up. I exactly. think about it is is like you don't have to, you don't have to uh be more abrasive than her. You right. know what I'm saying? You just she know she know what she is, she know her spot. Right. And she she might vibe off you even though you ain't even got that vibe. You don't exactly. have to wait for her to like you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it was so it was so funny. You gotta yo. see past. You gotta right, see right. Yeah, and it was like they, it was hard for them to get it because they were going, yo, I, I can't I can't approach them. And I go, yeah, <laughs> it's not about approaching them, it's about them feeling your vibe. Exactly. You know, and the people used to be like, well, how do you approach it? I'm like, I don't. I said, my whole thing is humor. I said, if I get a girl laughing, then I know I can That's get That's it. Laugh. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like. Yeah, everybody had to come with their own kind of different thing. And I think for us coming from New York, it was like we weren't used to Southern guys at all. Right. 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 So it was definitely a different vibe. 
And I think they, sometimes the Southern guys had a way softer approach mm -hmm. than the guys who, you know, we knew from up North. And it was like, yeah, okay, we could see this dude a mile away. But like the Southern dude, he was like a little bit different. I, re I remember like meeting certain people and just feeling like, all right, this is, this is a little different right here. Right, 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 right. And it was the, it was the opposite. So the, the, the Southern girls really gravitated toward the, the northern oh, yes. abrasiveness, like abrasive, like whatever, girl. Ain't nobody trying to hear all that, you know. Right. What I mean? <laughs> yes, and it was like, like, he's so mean, you know. Yes, absolutely. Listen, I, there was one of my friends, he went to Barbara Scotia. He told my son, He's like, When you go to Virginia State, you are going to be a god. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was I like, Please don't tell my son that. Yeah. He was like, I gotta tell him. He's like, because nobody told me. Because he was like, you're coming from New York, you're coming from Brooklyn, you're going down south, they're gonna hear your accent, they're gonna look at your swag. He was like, you're going to be a god. And so fast forward, <laughs> when he saw my son, like, um, uh, like, I think like the end of his, uh, it was like Christmas break. He was like, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? And he's sitting in front of one of his girls, and he's like, dude, I don't, want, I don't want her to know that it's like that. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny because I remember people, I remember always people making fun of my accent and then like on me saying John all the time. Right. That's like, really John. like, why are you saying John? And I like, you know, I used to always say uh, the way I talk and then people would be like, yo, it's not, it's not water, it's not water, it's water. I like, it's water, dude. And then, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like that whole, that whole thing. And I just yeah. remember, I remember pledging, I remember pledging. And I remember on, the only person on my line being from Jersey. Everybody was from South Carolina. Everybody from South Carolina? Everybody on my line Damn, was from South Carolina. Okay. And I remember coming out and I remember taking a mask off. And, uh -huh. and when I said my name and then and said Camden, New Jersey, the whole yard went crazy. <laughs> like, it was like, yo! <laughs> Tri-state represent, like yeah. Like, I was like, I felt like I was representing the right, whole, exactly. the whole so northeast. You had the whole northeast for your back, Because they were, you, you get like about the third person. The people got attitude. They like they almost South Carolina. Everybody got mad. Exactly. I was just cracking up laughing, and I was the last one. I took them out, and then the the, the yard went oh, crazy. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and my and my brother, the big brothers at the time, was like, we knew it. Like we knew it. Like we knew. As soon as you got on, you was going to be the person that was going to bring everybody's. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It was funny because I was getting, I was getting recruited by a lot of different organizations, uh -huh. but I wouldn't tell nobody what I wanted to do. Me? Listen. Right. <laughs> no, we, will, we will not say who wanted me hard body, but they right. wanted me hard. And so when I came out, they were like. What? Yeah, I know. I got approached. I got approached. <laughs> I got approached by every organization. I got approached by every because I was known. I was known on the yard. Right. I was tall. People knew who I was. I was popular. And then I, I, I individually, I had a conversation with every single person for every organization, and they were all came to me like one on one. And I was like, nah, I can't, you know, like, I appreciate it, but no. Right. No, I would tell them I wasn't interested at all. Like, I, I don't believe in that sorority stuff. I don't, I don't believe in that. <laughs> that was the thing. But I knew when I was from y'all what I was going to do. You know what I'm saying? I was like, exactly. ooh, I, was like, ooh, I can't wait. You know <laughs> Listen, I feel like I have been recruited since I was in middle school. You know, right. my, first of all, my mom is a Delta. Oh, nice. Um, she had put me in Delta programs since I was a, I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like 
this is this is the foundation. But I'm telling everybody, I have no interest. I don't see that. The one thing that cracked me up was that um, I remember um, Shanna. She was like, I didn't know you were smart, and I was like, What you mean? And she, I think you know, it's about that perception of like who you are, come and where you're coming from, or whatever. Because you know, you gotta have a certain grade point average or whatever. Yeah. So when he's looking at your stuff, you're like, Wait right. a minute, right? You got a three eight. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know yeah. how to party and study. <laughs> I was on the same I was on the same thing. Like my my like my first semester I had like a three five, second semester I had a three eight. Right. And they asked me my GPA and they was like, What? I was like, Exactly. Yeah. Your yeah, stock I mean, goes like, up. Your stock went you up. At, you at every party. I'm like, yeah. They like you yeah. at talent shows, you dance halftime at basketball games. I'm like, yeah. Like yeah. they was like, dude, you that's crazy, you know, and so then it was like, yo, stock was way up. And of it was course. like, yo, um, and it was funny because I think when I got on, like, I didn't even know two of the dude. Like, I was like, I was like, do you go to school here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you go to school here? <laughs> right. And it was crazy. And it, you know, it's so, it's so, I think back to that, I think back to that time and someone always like says like, did you know why you did it? I go, yo, I did it. I knew I was going to do it and I wasn't looking for anything out of it, mm -hmm. uh, but I got so much more out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, for me, it was like a, just a leadership type of deal and right. what it was and y'all was so deep. I was like, good Lord. It's like Delta's everywhere. You know, and I, was like, yeah. I was like, yo, but it was like the, the main thing for me uh, on the yard when it came to sororities was don't offend nobody. Like don't, yeah. don't do nothing out of pocket that's going to get one of them mad at you. Exactly, because when you got one mad, if your name is Mud for one, it's Mud. Travels one. exactly, everybody. <laughs> I, was a, I was a gentleman and a scholar at all times. At That's, school, right. You know <laughs> That's right. Because you don't want the whole sorority against you. You're like, hey, I don't want something about one single gamma row. Why they all got to be against me? Right, right, exactly. So, so yeah, that was always dope. Hey, so I'm, a, I'm, a, we, we went a little bit past the time, but okay. Um, this is what I like to do. At okay. the end of my interviews, uh, I like to, if you ever watched uh, James, Lip James Lipton on the uh, Actors Guild Studio, yes. I do a little remix of, uh, of the questions at the end. Okay. So we're going to do that, and then, and then we're going we're gonna to end the podcast. But okay, I want to bring you back, and we're going to have to either bring you back for HBCU stories, or we're going to have to do a follow-up for this interview. All right. I'm All down right. for either one. All right. So um, the, the first question is, what is your favorite word? No. Okay. So that's because your, that's I good. because I struggle with it at times yeah, and yeah. taking on too damn much and not okay. saying no, right? Okay. So <laughs> I've had to learn how to make no my favorite word. Favorite word. Protect yeah. myself. Okay. What's your least favorite word? No. <laughs> a, so so you got the both. So it's it's like your birth favorite and your least favorite. Right. Word. Because when you are a creative, when you're a writer, when you're an editor, everything right. that you pitch is not gonna always be a yes. And right. so you have to get a thick skin around hearing the word no from people when they are not accepting your idea. And it's like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go with it this time. Oh, we're going in another direction. Nah, mm -mm, that doesn't work for us, right? So that, so for me saying no, it's my favorite word because it helps me protect myself against shit that I don't wanna do, right? right. On the other right. end, I don't wanna hear no from people who don't wanna accept my project that I'm trying right. to pick for them. So, so, all right, so uh, my slogan, or a joke that I talk about all the time on stage, and you see it behind me, is TTBS, hashtag yes. TTBS. 
TTBS stands for that's that bullshit. Right. Basically. And I need one of those t-shirts because I've yeah. been seeing my, my, see my live sisters with them t-shirts and I don't got one. I need to get one. Okay. They've been to the shows. That's why they, 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 oh, they got that it. One. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, that's that bullshit. So anything and everything you absolutely no control of in your life actually translates to that's that bullshit. Uh-huh. What is that's that bullshit to you? Ooh. That is a, damn, I'm stumped. Um, yeah. What is that? Okay, so you want to know what is something that translates into that's that bullshit for like me? Something that you have absolutely no control over in your life, but it happens, and you'd be like, you know what, that's that bullshit. Like, that's like, like, so that's basically what it basically means. Like, when I do the joke on stage, I talk about taking your girl out for a dinner, movie, you know what I'm saying? You get home, and then she'd be like, yo, you know, I'm on my period. You'd be like, that's that bullshit. <laughs> Okay. Like, like you knew that shit before we left the house. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. Like, so that's that bullshit for me is when I have been on job interviews and nailed it, knew I nailed it. Had people tell me like, yo, you are the most prepared, the best candidate. I've gone through hoops. They've asked me to create marketing decks and slide presentations and I killed it. I had one person tell me, you knew more about the damn school than I did. It was a, like the job to be like a communications director at a school. And then they were like, we went with like the director, director's need. Uh, I mean, you'd be like, that's that bullshit. Like, so I just went through all these hoops. But you knew he was going to go with the um, the director's needs. You just wanted to like, (laughs) this was an exercise for you. Right. So yeah, to me, that's that bullshit. (laughs) That is that bullshit. I, um, I've, I've said on interviews, uh, somebody asked me one time during the interview, are you nervous? I go, no. And they go, why not? I'm like, I'm not the one that has to make the decision. Like, right. you make the wrong decision, you can lose your job. <laughs> exactly. You make, the right I know what I'm bringing. you make your right decision, you can get a promotion. Exactly. So the pressure's on you. But right. I'm here to make you look good. I got to stay here for an hour and talk about myself. Let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> um, all right. So the opposite of bullshit, that's that bullshit. What is the shit to you then? What is the shit? Um, when I absolutely love what I have done for a client's work, like taking something that is raw and knowing that that person has no idea what the hell they're doing and being able to guide them through the process step by step. My last author that just published her book um, in, in August, she was like, she was ready to quit in so many, so many times in the process. And I just kept telling her, we're almost there. We're almost yeah. there. I was, I was getting, I was uploading it to Amazon for her. And she was hitting me like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And so I'm like, you're absolutely ready. It was like the last dragon moment. You know what? In the last dragon, when he yeah. gets the glow, I was like, you got the glow. Like, <laughs> it's time. I can't yeah, you no dope. more. That's dope. That's dope. Um, and, all right. So if, uh, if no one knew who you were and I was introducing to you, you to the world, oh. right, what's your walk on music? All right. It's... <laughs> This is one of my favorite records. Yeah. Um, it's Method Man, Bring the Pain. Ah, there we go. All right, okay. All right. Now, I usually ask that to comedians, but you know what? That, that might work right there. All right. So, uh, your time is done. You done with this life. You departing very uh-huh. gracefully, right? What's your walk-off music? Damn. Okay, the walk-off music. Oh, Man, I had I, I just said this the other day too, because I said I don't want to, I don't want a sad funeral. I want them to be like, she did that. 
right. I need like a party anthem. Like, right, right, damn, right, and right. I can't remember what I said. Um, yeah. But like anything, it would, it would have to be any like hip hop song that like got people like going crazy in the nineties when they put it on. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I, I wanted I I laughed because I, I was reading one of your excerpts and uh, one of the comedians put on here um, the little, the part on uh, Dreams and Nightmares when Meek Mill go, wait, hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished and I started going out laughing. First of all, that song in the beginning, it just gives me like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. Like, it just gives me so much energy, right? So, I know, yeah, no. it is. That's, that's so funny, man. I, I laugh every time I hear it because uh, 2017, I'm a huge Eagles fan, and that was like their anthem mm -hmm. for like the whole season. So, like, I would listen to that song like every single day, and i like, yo, I'm just rocking it out. You know what yeah. I mean? My daughters, I had to find a clean version so I could play for <laughs> my daughters, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and so, if there was any other career, um, that you would want to try other than uh -huh. your own, what would it be? Oh, what other career? You know what? I never thought about that because this is the only thing I've ever wanted, wanted to, to do. do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably say just because I see how they can, they can, they can uh, make a good living at it. I think I want to be a celebrity makeup artist. Cause nope. they, they can command a nice piece of change for a couple yeah. hours of work, right? That's different. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's different. That is different. That is I dope. would definitely do that. And it's only because I've been behind the scenes. And so I've seen, you know, I've been behind the scenes of fashion week. I've been behind the scenes of photo shoots. So I know the differences in terms of the pay scales from someone who's fighting for their money and someone who's not. And I've seen the makeup artists fight for their money and they be able to make coin. And I'm like, yeah, I might want to do that. That's crazy. Cause I remember when I taped my TV, my did TV for the first time. And then when I did my special on dry bar, I remember that makeup artist coming in and it was funny. Because I had the same joke for both times. And this is, you know, white ladies, you know, whatever. Uh -huh. White comedians on the same right. show as me. I was like the only black person. And then they walk in. They're like, oh, it's time for you to get your makeup. I, yeah, you got black makeup? And they start busting out laughing. <laughs> like, like right. you, got no, something that my, you got something that match my tone or you got to go to the back to the car. Everybody they, start busting out they, laughing. <laughs> they better have it now. Like, right. they might have been able to get away with that before, but they can't now. They can't but, I, I, but believe it or not, the, the amazing thing that both makeup artists said, and I wish I was lying when they said it, is, they they would get the makeup and they go, you have you have beautiful skin and they go and they go, I don't really have to do much and I go, yeah, black don't crack. You know what I mean? Like I know that's right. It's like, and it's one of those things because they sit there and they look and they go, and right. I go, yeah, and they go, do you have? And I go, no, nah, I don't make up more. Like exactly, like, like, I, drink, I drink a lot of water. You know what I mean? Exactly, it's <laughs> naturally melanin and hydration and complete <laughs> and good love. That's what As, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So, so yo, I, I appreciate the time, Tia, man. Thank I, you. Um, it's been fun. This was a dope interview. Me and, too. Uh, I had a good time. I think, I think the listeners will really enjoy it, and uh, you will see the commercial and all the other good stuff that goes right. along with it. And I will tag you on everything. So Yes, uh, please. I'm going to do the same. It. Send me the recording, too, because I want to post a snippet. Absolutely. I'll okay. send all of that stuff to you. And, um, look, thanks for the time. And um, I will reach out to you very shortly, probably before the end of the month, to be on HBCU. Yes, I'm going to love that. I'm going to love that. <laughs> What's up? All right. Thanks a lot. Right, you have a good rest of the weekend. All right. You too. All right. Bye.